is the sermon when you want to have your Bibles open to it. So um, let's do that on page 61 through 62 in the New Testament. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to break down every verse with this sermon today. I'm literally just going to walk through it and explain some things because it, this is the passage where they say Jesus didn't do any miracles in his own town. And that's pretty much what people leave at it. Okay, but I'm telling you, there is so much weird stuff that goes on with this. And so what I'm going to do today is you're just gonna, I'm just going to engage you in a, um, a type of Bible study sermon, okay? And I'm going to break all this stuff down for you. And um, any confusion that you have right now, we'll clear it up on the way through. Sound good? Sound good? All right, well, let's listen to these words. Uh, Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 30, follow along. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the, whole, the Holy Spirit... Returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, uh, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll, and he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To let the oppressed go free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the, all the eyes of all, all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? He said to them, doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, do here also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did at Capernaum. And he said, truly, I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them were cleansed except for Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Well, I think it's safe to say that Jesus said a few things in this gospel story that made his, the people so angry that they wanted to throw him off a cliff. Can you imagine preaching a sermon? I can't imagine pre preaching a sermon where you it just angers you so much that you bring me outside to the edge of, the edge of town to throw me off something, all right? And, and to think Jesus was preaching the truth here. Think about that one. He was preaching the truth, and yet they got so angry. Now, I, I, I see at the, toward the end of this passage, he, some things are said, right? 
And those, those things he said are what made them angry. And we'll get into that um, toward the end of the sermon. But what I want to do right now is just walk you through verse by verse, okay? Um, but I'm actually going to start prior to what comes up to this event. Well, this story occurs early on in Jesus' ministry in the region of Galilee. Galilee is about 70 miles north of Jerusalem. So this is nowhere near Jerusalem. It's around Galilee. And what happened prior to today's scripture is that Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. That has great significance in understanding what's going on with, with this um, circumstance today, with him preaching in Nazareth. You know, as Jesus was being baptized, you have this whole scene of the heavens opening up, right? And then what happens? The Holy Spirit comes down as a dove and rests upon Jesus. And the voice of God says to Jesus, you are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. Well, a lot of people are like, well, that's just his baptism. That's when Jesus was baptized. Man, it, it, it goes so deeper than that. And it goes deeper the theologically. Like I said, it pertains to what's going on today. What Jesus' baptism shows are two things. Um, the beginning of his ministry. That's the starting point right, now, right there. You're baptized. Move on. You know, go into your ministry. And here's one thing that you probably haven't really considered. It's his anointing ceremony as the Messianic king. That's what his baptism, that's how we are to understand the baptism of Jesus. Traditionally, when a king was baptized in the ancients, oil would um, be poured over the um, king's head, all right, the one that was being pronounced king, and it would spill and go over their beard and then go over the rest of their body, okay? And it would cover them, and then someone pr would pronounce them to be king. Today, we pronounce or I pronounce you to be king, but with Jesus, it's a lot different, isn't it? Because as Jesus was coming up out of the waters, um, you see the Holy Spirit coming down upon Jesus and covering him and abiding and remaining on Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord remained with Jesus. Do you see what's going on here? That was his anointing. That was in place of the oil going all over him. And then a voice comes from heaven. Okay? It is God the Father. And God the Father says, you are my son, my beloved. With you I am pleased. In other words, you are now the anointed messianic king of Israel. And that is what's going on there. Incidentally, something else that's really interesting about this portion of scripture, it's the, um, around Jesus' baptism, this is where you see God the Father, you see the Holy Spirit and the Son, all right? I said that out of order, but you get it. You see them all in one place. Right? You see the Trinity all in one place. And that shows you God in three persons, doesn't it? And you see that around the baptism. But it's really important that the deeper meaning be grasped here. It's not just a simple baptism. This is the, the anointing ceremony of God pronouncing his beloved son to be the anointed king of Israel. You follow me on this one? Very important for you to grasp. And then after Jesus was baptized, he went into the wilderness for a period of time and then came back and began his ministry to preach the kingdom of God to the people. 
And so Jesus begins to preach throughout the region of Galilee, and news about him spreads throughout the region. And can you imagine the types of conversations that were going on with this town, within these towns? Have you heard this person, Jesus, preach? It's amazing. Someone else would say, I heard he did miracles. I heard he turned water into wine. These aren't normal conversations. I heard he cast out demons and healed the sick. That, that is, that's the conversation that's going on. This isn't like, have you seen Top Gun? <laughs> right? Have you seen the latest movie? It's pretty awesome. That you can grasp. You cannot grasp what's going on with these conversations that are occurring in the towns, right? And I admit, if I heard these and I have never met Jesus before, I didn't grow up with Jesus' stories, and I heard these, I would be like, are you buying into this? I mean, that's what you're hearing, but... Are you sure about what's going on here? You'd want some proof, wouldn't you? You'd be skeptical. I'd be skeptical. We'd all be skeptical. And yet these conversations are occurring around the town of Nazareth where Jesus arrives. All right? So these aren't normal conversations. These are something to hear. And as Jesus goes from town to town preaching, he's on a preaching tour basically in the area, okay? He's going from town to town, um, synagogue, and doing this. But then he arrives at um, Nazareth, his own hometown where he grew up, the small town of Nazareth. This isn't a big place. And so when the Sabbath day came, which is Saturday, all right, Sabbath is a Saturday, Jesus was apparently invited to speak at the synagogue, which was a custom. And this is, you know, where many of us can relate here today. During a worship service in the synagogue, it was typical to have scripture read, followed by a sermon. We do that here all the time. And that is pretty much what is going on here in this scripture passage. Jesus gets up to read the scripture, then he speaks on it, and here's what Jesus reads from Isaiah 61, 1 through 2. And you can just follow me on this one. But keep in mind the idea of Jesus' baptism as the anointing by God that, that we just talked about. You ready for this? Jesus gets up, finds the place in the scroll of Isaiah, and he reads this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Do you see what that's pointing to now? It's pointing to his baptism. Something recent that just happened. He just comes right out and says that. And by saying this statement, Jesus is explicitly affirming who he believes himself to be. The divinely anointed messianic king. So that answers the question, do you think Jesus knew who he was? I think if you're God, you always know you're God. I don't think you learn, oh, wait a second, perhaps I'm God. No, Jesus always knew. This says it right here. And Jesus continues, he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, jubilee. And he says all this, and he's just giving you a snapshot of his ministry. And after he was done reading, he handed the scroll of Isaiah back to the attendant, and guess what he did? He sat down, okay? That's, that's completely normal, because from the seated position right here, after he read the scripture, he delivers the sermon from the seated position. 
Nothing unusual going on right here at all. All right, this was the custom. And I know it's really odd for us today because we're just not used to doing that. All right, but that's, that's what's going on here. And if you read the um, passage really care, I'm not going to stay here, by the way. <laughs> but if you read the passage really carefully after that, um, what is that, verse 22, I think? Yeah, verse 21. It says, um, after, well, after he sat down, it states that Jesus began to say to them the message. Well, that's really interesting. We like to go really quickly in it because he began to say basically means he started to preach. And what did he preach on? He started to preach on Isaiah 61. Okay? And he breaks everything down. And while he's doing that, Luke, Luke gives us a summary sentence of what Jesus said in verse 21. He says, today, this is basically what um, Jesus preached on. This is what his sermon was. Today, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All right? That's what his sermon was about. And that's amazing. Again, Jesus basically told them that he is the divinely anointed messianic king that they have all been waiting for. I'm the one that you've been waiting for. I'm the one who's going to bring everything together. I'm going to resolve everything. How would you react to that? How would you react to someone coming in here that you've heard about here at St. John, and announcing, I'm the one that you're looking for. I'm the one that's going to save this country. I'm going to make everything good again. How would you react to that? Would you be skeptical? That's, I mean, that's crazy. And remember I said Nazareth, the very small town of Nazareth. Because what's looming in the back of these people's minds, if he's the savior to all, why is he in Nazareth? If you're going to make everything right in America, why are you here at St. John making, you know, pronouncing your, your launch? Right? That's what these people are thinking. Why are you not in the Jerusalem temple making this pronouncement? Why are you not among the religious leaders? Why are you not a, a leader that's going to conquer Rome? I can guarantee you that's what's probably going on in these people's heads. And you see this happening in verse 22 when the scriptures state that they spoke well of him and were amazed at his preaching. Now, um, where it states in verse 22 that they all spoke well of him, okay? Um, don't get the picture like, this is awesome, we embrace this, okay? It's not that. Um, the, the Greek word that they use right there um, that's translated as spoken well of is emarturun. Um, you don't need to know that, okay? I just wanted to point out to you that it, these words come from a place, okay? And what that basically means is they started witnessing about him. Well, what did they witness about? Well, this is Jesus. We know Jesus. He, he grew up here, you know, and they didn't really have anything bad to say about Jesus. Very important point, right? Jesus was not a disobedient child, right? So they spoke well of him. They didn't really have anything bad to say about this Jesus who was proclaiming this message. In fact, they all kept on talking, and what it all sums up to is, wait a second, is this, isn't this Joseph's son? And that's what it leads up to. And just by asking that question... All right? The question, isn't this Joseph's son, is implying the ordinary life that Jesus had growing up. Now, some people have a difficult time grasping that Jesus grew up not much different than the other Hebrew children. But he did. He didn't 
grow up doing miracles and, and things like that. Despite, there's a book out there that you will read if you Google it. It'll say Jesus did the miracles and stuff, and he was a belligerent child when he was younger, and he challenged his teachers. That's a second century Gnostic gospel, okay? I think it's the Gospel of Thomas. Yeah, it's the Gospel of Thomas, and it's false. It's a false gospel that doesn't come from the apostles. It's not apostolic teaching, all right? So that is out there, and it's a Gnostic teaching that went against Christianity, the fact is, Jesus didn't do miracles when he grew up. And there's biblical evidence on that. I, I don't have a tremendous amount of time to get into that. If you want to get into that discussion, I'd be more than happy to show you. But here's something to consider. If he did perform miracles as a child, then word would have gotten out much earlier, don't you think? In this small town? And then it would have been Jesus' will, not the Father's will, being done. And everything would have just fallen apart. If Jesus did perform miracles as a child, uh, so word would have gotten out. But this question, is this not Joseph's son, would have never been asked. Because they would have known. We were waiting for you to do this, Jesus. We knew all along. All right? So that question would have never been asked. Listen, have you ever known um, someone that no matter how hard you try, you can't picture them being anything other than who they are? Those people that you're just like, this is you. You can't be anything else. This is you. This is how I've always known you to be. And if they did change, you would perhaps get pretty suspicious on this. Am I right? You're like, wait a second. What's going on here? You're, you're different. I don't know if I can handle this. I don't know how I can process this. You can't picture them being anything else than other than who they are. Before um, I was called as a, as a pastor... I worked in a church as a musician. Many of you know that, all right? And that's how I was known. I was known as um, Kendall the pianist. He's a concert pianist, okay? And I worked in this church. It was a pretty large church, so everyone kind of knew who I was. The town knew who I was. But it's really interesting because God then called me into vocational ministry, called me to be a pastor, and word got out. But the funny thing is, where I work, they just couldn't get past the fact that I was a musician. It, it, so that happened. And it wasn't until I changed my context, until I left that position, that context, and I started serving in a different church, that they saw me as being called. And then I, started, I was able to start shedding that, that into, you know, this new identity that God was forming within me. Even with, you know, there are some people that I grew up with um, and people in my own family, they still can't grasp the fact that I'm a pastor because they know my past. They know, they know everything about that. Where did you do this? How are you a pastor right now? This is crazy. You can't be. You know, it's like... Um, it's like, cheer. do you know the show Cheers? How many people remember the show Cheers? You go there because everyone knows your name and everyone knows who you are. And guess what? No one changes. And that's, that's the thing, right? There are places that you go when you're 21, 22, and you start frequenting these places. And then you stop going and you can go back in 15 years. And guess what? Everyone's still there. No one changes. Everyone knows your name. You can walk in and everyone's going to go, Norm, right? And you're like, oh, good, let's just pick up where we left off. Why? Because they didn't change. They didn't change. And if any one of them did, you'd be in shock, right? That's just crazy. Well, that's what's going on, you know, here. They, they've allowed history to determine who Jesus was. 
In our situations, they've allowed your history, your past, to determine who you are today. And you cannot escape that history with some people. You know it. You can't. They just see you a certain way. Well, in this situation, the question is, is this not Joseph's son? Come on. They couldn't get past the, the Jesus they knew with the Jesus standing in front of them, claiming to be the anointed Messiah King that was prophesied about in Scripture. Couldn't grasp it. So what did Jesus do? Did he force himself upon them? No. He didn't even do a miracle there. You know, a miracle would have certainly proven himself to them, but most likely he didn't do a miracle because a miracle wouldn't have been enough. Sometimes, no matter what you do, it's just not enough. And you see this in the next few verses where Jesus responds, and follow me here, doctor, cure yourself. That's an ancient proverb. It's not in the Bible. Don't go looking for it. You're not going to be able to find it. It's an ancient medical proverb, and it basically says, you're claiming to be a doctor. You're claiming that you can heal everyone else. Well, you know what? Prove it to us. Heal yourself. That's what Jesus means by those words right there, okay? And then he says, um, and then you'll say, do hear also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did at, at Capernaum. And he said, truly, I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown because they knew him. By saying this, Jesus was basically saying, even if I did a miracle here, you will still only see, and ready, here's the theological point, you want to grasp this, you will only see the son of Joseph. You will not see the son of God. Do you see how significant that question is? They will always see the son of Joseph, the son of a mere human being. They will never see the son of God. And that's what Luke builds us up to. And after this, Jesus says two things that are very strange to us, but the people that Jesus said these things to, they knew exactly what he was saying. Last week, I preached on Elijah. Okay, and if you were here, um, I was actually going to include this portion of the sermon then, but it kind of moves over into this. If you missed last week's sermon, okay, it's, it's recorded. Go check it out. It'll clear up everything in this passage right here. But it, it, he mentions two people here. The first one is Elijah. And the point here is Jesus says Elijah goes to a widow at Zarephath. All right? Big deal. Big deal. Well, check this out. Zarephath is not in Israel. Zarephath is in Gentile territory. And this widow of Zarephath was a Gentile. Well, what's a Gentile? It's everyone that's anyone that's not a Jew. All right? So basically, Jesus just rubbed in their face that, you know what? Fine. In the days of Elijah, God didn't use the Jews. He didn't use his own people, God's chosen ones, the ones he created. Rather, he sent them to the Gentiles, the very people that come up against you all the time, the ones that are warring with you, the Gentiles. And that's what he means by that. So right there, they're like, oh, he didn't just do that, Right? And he rubs it in even more. He says, Naaman, the Syrian, was healed from leprosy. In other words, guess what? He's a Gentile too. And God didn't heal you. He healed a Gentile. And after this, and so by saying this, here's the main point. Jesus was saying, if you don't receive me, then perhaps I will go to the Gentiles and they will do the work of the Lord. And that's exactly what happened. He went to the Gentiles. The message went out to the Gentiles and all of you are spoken about in this very passage. You are part of this. Why? Because you are Gentiles. He brought the message elsewhere. 
and that angered the people. They took him to a cliff in the, you know, the edge of town, but before they were able to throw him off, Jesus was able to get away. That's a, that's a very sensitive congregation, if you ask me, right? <laughs> okay? But here's the thing. He removed himself from the context, didn't he? He removed himself from the context and went elsewhere to a place that would receive him and his message. Jesus did not force himself upon the people. Why? Because God is a gentleman. Wouldn't you agree? He's not going to force himself upon the people. You have a choice in the matter. But here's the thing I want to stress. I want to close on this. Jesus wasn't able to reach the very people he grew up around. People that were close to him. People that knew his family. Even some of his very own brothers and sisters had a hard time receiving Jesus' message. Even James who has a letter in the New Testament, had a hard time accepting who Jesus was. You know what changed his mind? I don't know, see, a dead person come back to life. That'll change your mind, right? That'll do it for you. But check this out. The people that are closest to you are sometimes the hardest to reach. Okay? And everyone has someone that they're close to that you cannot reach. Everyone has people in their family that they cannot reach. And they're like, oh, man, why can't I reach these people? I care about them so much, okay? And maybe you should be praying for God to bring someone that isn't so close to them to help them out. And I'm not just talking about the gospel message of Jesus Christ here. There are people in our families, you know, Evelyn and I, you know, we know people that are very close to us that, one, we can't reach them with the gospel. Number two, we can't reach, reach them because they're going through something and they don't want family members to help. The people that you're the closest to are sometimes the most difficult people to reach. Here's what you're not going to do. Don't shove your beliefs down their throat. It's very tempting to do. I wish you would just believe in Jesus. <laughs> yeah, come on. Really? That doesn't work. You know what works? A soft, quiet presence while they're going through whatever they're, they're going through. Remember the story of Job? The friend showed up as a soft, quiet presence, and it was good. Then what happened? They started opening their mouths and trying to figure out what was wrong with Job and trying to solve the problem. Let God solve the problem. You be a soft, quiet, patient presence. All right? Think on that this week and pray for them, and they're going to appreciate your presence. They're going to appreciate you not trying to fix them because chances are they didn't invite that in. They want you to love them first. Can we love people? Let's love people in this manner. All right? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, amen.